0: Coming up, were the D-backs the biggest deadline losers, reacting to the Juan Soto trade, and so much more with Ryan Stiles of Lockdown Royals next.
1: You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day listening to the always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and i a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillieThomas24 that markportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. We're going to be talking to Ryan Styles of Lockdown Royals, a little bit more about Luke Weaver, the Juan Soto deal to the Padres, and breaking down other big trades that we've seen around baseball. But before we get there, I first just want to talk about the D-backs in general and just their trade deadline approach because right now i just think d-backs nation d-backs fans across the world are just confused with just the vision both short-term and long-term with this diamondbacks team the mike hazen experience i think is getting pretty shaky him and tory Lavello as a duo i have a lot of question marks about what we're doing to this uh what we're doing with this team especially when you look at what happened this past trade deadline because one The first move that we saw by the D-backs was David Peralta, and I've hammered this point home a lot. I'm going to keep hammering it home. He was traded for an 18-year-old rookie ball catcher, and I know David Peralta is a guy, mid-30s, in the back half of his career right he's in the decline he's going to be a free agent this year he's going to be a rental basically for someone right so you're not going to get a lot a lot of value back for someone that's only going to be a two-month rental right that's what you would assume but when you look at some of the other trades that happened around the deadline like the Giants when they traded Darren Ruff to the Mets they got back JD Davis who I know has struggled this year but Has shown a lot of flashes on the major league level and has shown to be a pretty productive major leaguer in the past. Plus, they got back three minor league pitchers who I think are all 25 and younger. Like, you got three legit Darth Rose plus a JD Davis, a legit major leaguer. That's a solid return for Darren Ruff. But my biggest issue is David Peralta is both younger and more productive than Darren Ruff, who has a team option next season. So, technically, he wouldn't be a two month rental, but. If Peralta doesn't be a rental. Guess what? Just because you trade for a guy who's about to be a free agent, that doesn't mean you can't re-sign him in the offseason. The Raves, they brought back Duvall and Eddie Rosario, so it's definitely possible. David Peralta has been a better major leaguer than Darren Ruff, has shown a lot more in the major league level. He's younger. He was an affordable contract as well. Like, there's no reason why the D-backs shouldn't have been been able to get a couple pitchers back for Darren Ruff, and he's not even the only example of the D-back just... Way undervaluing David Peralta and just basically getting fleeced in that deal because you can even look at the Joey Gallo deal. And I know Joey Gallo's a bigger name than David Peralta, but Joey Gallo's also a two month rental. He's going to be a free agent this summer. And guess what? Joey Gallo basically over his last 150 games has been one of the worst major league players in baseball. The dude strikes out at an unbelievable, right? He basically strikes out at the plate like Josh Hader strikes out batters when he comes in for the ninth inning. Like he doesn't get on base. He doesn't hit for average. Like the only thing Joey Gallo does well is hit for power. And it's not even like his exit velocity is up this year. He can still hit some home runs, but even his power department is down right now. So None of the strengths of Joey Gallo are there while all the weaknesses are just being amplified while he's been in New York. And even him, with all his struggles, is being traded for the 15th best pitching prospect in the Dodgers organization. Like, it just doesn't make any sense how the D-backs were not able to get back at least one pitcher back in the David Peralta deal. And I think it's sad that they, didn't, they weren't able to get back any, you know, young pitchers back in any trade deadline deals, and even look at the Luke Weaver deal, I also hated the Luke Weaver deal. Not just because you were conceding basically on the whole Paul Goldschmidt trade, because Luke Weaver was one half of the headliners in the Paul Goldschmidt trade. And now when you trade Luke Weaver, you're basically conceding, yeah, that was a failed trade. And we're just trying to get back as much value, uh much value as possible for Luke Weaver, who has been from who from twenty nineteen looked like a mid-rotation starter, maybe even a frontline starter too. The D back trying to convert him to a reliever this past season and just all of it in between failing. And now he goes off to Kansas City where maybe they could turn his career around. But considering they don't have Brent Strom, and we do, and Brent Strom couldn't fix Luke Weaver, um, I, don't, I don't have high hopes for the rest of Luke Weaver career. But what you get back, what did you get back for Luke Weaver? You get back a third baseman, Emmanuel Rivera, whose basically plan is to come in and be a platoon guy at third base. And who is he going to be platooning with? Probably Josh Rojas. I do not like that at all. I do not want to take a bats away from Josh Rojas. I do not care about some platoon advantage for a team that's going to win around 70 games and miss the postseason. It does not matter. You should just be putting your best players in the lineup every day. Put your young players in the lineup every day that you think might have a future with your organization. Manuel Rivera, I do not care about. I, I'm sorry. It, it sounds bad. I hope he actually play. I mean, if he performs well for the D-backs, then maybe the D-backs have something. But he has been underwhelming for the Kansas City Royals for the last two years, and now he's going to come in and just take it bats away from our other young guys. Rivera's young himself, but it's not like he's a homegrown guy. There's no real attachment or connection to Rivera. Now, if he comes in and starts balling out, then. Things like that will change, but right now it just seems like why are you bringing in a platoon guy when you already have a third baseman, Josh Rojas, who's playing pretty well, and you have other young guys that you know you could give some opportunity to like Buddy Kennedys of the world and the Seth Beers over there at first base, other corner infielders that you could give a chance to that doesn't have to be Rivera that's already in your system. So I just did not love the D-backs trade deadline. I'm just thoroughly confused by the vision of this team and what they're doing and just the the last couple of trade deadlines have been this way you, you don't even have to look at this year with how David Peralta is undervalued you can even go back to the 2020 trade deadline when they traded starring Marte for Humberto Mejia and Caleb Smith well guess what the very next trade deadline, the Miami Marlins took starring Marte and traded him to the Oakland A's for Jesus Lizardo. Jesus Lizardo was like at one point a top 20 prospect in all of baseball, already showed a couple flashes on a major league level. Now he's Miami and he's looking like a legit mid to, uh, looks like a legit number three, number four starter for that Marlins rotation who is already pretty strong. So when you're looking at the D-backs, like we could have had a Jesus Lizardo or that level, uh, that type of pitcher, that level of of pitcher coming back to the organization. We could have gotten at least three dart throws of three really young pitchers like the Giants got with Darren Ruff. Or maybe you get back one solid pitching prospect like the Dodgers got back for Joey Gallo. But no, the D-backs, when they make trades, they get prospects who just... Don't help out the organization, just continues to be a logjam at certain positions, and then they're just never productive when they make it to the major league level. None of these Mike Hazen trades have worked out. The Mike Hazen draft picks, they look good so far. The only Mike Hazen trade that's worked out has been Josh Rojas and that Zach Reinke trade, and... Zach and Rojas wasn't even one of the main prospects in that deal. The three of the top five prospects in the Astros organization and Martin, Berskakis, and Beer came back in that deal, and we're still waiting for them to make an impact on the major league level. The trades that the D-backs front office have been making the last, what, four to five years have not been working out for the team. I'm very curious to see the direction of this D-backs future because I am not liking what I'm seeing from this front office, especially after the deadline. That's why I'm considering the D-backs the biggest deadline losers. Now I'm going to talk a little bit more Luke Weaver with Ryan Styles to see if he could bring a championship ring to Kansas City. But speaking of rings, the best place to buy a ring is Blue Nile because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bent jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. ring. is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenow.com today. And if you haven't already, you need to try the Bilt Bar Puffs because they are protein infused but most importantly they're marshmallow infused infused and like all built bars are covered in a 100% chocolate soft and easy to chew and the reason why I love the built bar puffs is because I think that I'm eating some kind of s'more or candy bar when in reality I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie low in sugar high in protein and high in fiber so it's great for me when I need to Fill my sweet tooth craving after the gym. So, right now, go to built.com, use promo code lock15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code lock15 for 15% off at built.com. Now, the thing with Luke Weaver that I wasn't a huge fan of since 2019, he's basically become like a two-pitch guy. He used to try to work on some more off-speed pitches. He tried to go with like a four-pitch arsenal when he was younger. But over the years, really during that 2020 season, he just started to move toward a two-pitch guy. And I think it just kind of made him too predictable um, in that sense. So. How do you project Luke Weaver going forward with the Royals? Do you see him as maybe like a two-pitch reliever for you guys in a bullpen? Because that's the way he was kind of doing this year for the D-backs, doing more reliever. Or do you think the Royals might try to get him back to that being a front-line potential or like a more mid-rotation kind of a guy? Because that was what he was projected to be as a prospect coming up through the rankings. So how do you project Luke Weaver's career going forward with the Kansas City Royals?
1: I think it's interesting because the Royals can fit him in and a multitude of spots because they need a back-end star. They need a front-end star. They need a a uh, mid-rotation guy. But they also need a lot of spots in that bullpen. And the one area that Kansas City has been consistently good at in these last five, six, seven years, of course, dating back to that 2013, 14, 15, uh, 16 run, was constructing a bullpen under Dayton Moore. And in 2014, 2015, it was historically great in the bullpen. And a lot of those guys, uh, as they often are, were failed starters. Wade Davis came over from Tampa Bay, couldn't really cut it as a starter in Tampa Bay. The Royals gave him another shot to start. Didn't really do great. Didn't do terrible, but didn't do great. Put him in the bullpen. He has a he has the best season as a, as a closer anyone's ever anyone's ever had. So they do have examples of guys who they trade who don't look great on their other team, and then they put him in their system, in their bullpen, and all of a sudden they utilize him to the point where they can break out in the pen. So I do think when it's all said and done, Luke Weaver will be a bullpen arm for Kansas city. And they're hoping that he'll be another one that's in line to be a back in the bullpen type of guy after failing at his first stop.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Luke Weaver. Very interesting guy. We'll see how he progresses with the Kansas city Royals, but, I think we should talk about some breaking news we have during this podcast, Ryan, because it's going to be the biggest news from MLB trade deadline, and it just came down. Jeff Passant's got the bomb. It looks like Juan Soto and Josh Bell are headed to the San Diego Padres, and it looks like the Nationals got the whole coup: Mackenzie Gore, Robert Ansel, CJ Abrams, James Wood. They got all the prospects back from the Padres, as they should have in the Juan Soto deal. Plus, the Padres are also getting Josh Bell in the deal. What's your instant reaction? To the mega trade finally going down
1: it just feels kind of light and that sounds strange oh. because like it, it sounds strange but when you factor in that they're getting josh bell and juan soto mm-hmm. and they and they trade a, a ton of prospects obviously but let's face it like prospects typically don't don't pan out at least not all of them obviously uh, they traded away their one four and ten prospect i believe it was as 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 of what we know right now and they also gave away a McKinsey gore who, who's been solid but by no means has lit the world on fire in the major leagues so whenever you give away your one two four and ten prospect for soto and josh bell and you have soto for three pennant chases that is well worth it if you are the san diego padres if you can afford to do it and your ownership signs off on paying the big bucks and, and taking on this team that now has soto and machado and tatis and everyone else then trading way one, two, four, ten for Soto and Josh Bell, two players who are going to enhance your lineup in a massive way, uh, because now you get Hosmer out of that lineup and everything else. Yeah. And now you get Soto in that lineup. Uh, you know, to do that and only go at McKenzie Gore, you're four, ten, that is a a steal for the for the Padres, all things considered, especially again, because you get three tries at it if you're San Diego, not just yeah, one. Yeah.
0: And I don't disagree with the prospect take because I'm like the anti-prospect guy over here on the podcast. I'm like, yeah, if it's a superstar, then you trade your prospects because I think it depends on the level of talent. I'm not just trading anybody. I'm not doing what the D-backs did where they traded the number one pick and a bunch of guys for Shelby Miller. Shelby Miller's not the kind of guy to do that prospect deal for. But Juan Soto who is maybe, uh, what, could be a top 10 talent all time in Major League Baseball. He's like the, the, the king of walks right now in Major League Baseball right next to Mike Trout. Um, it, you give up everything for that, dude you give up the farm. And if you're the Padres, like, yeah, the three pennant chases you mentioned, but like him and Tatis just together and Manny Machado, like people forget Manny Machado is only 30 years old. This is still someone that's like pretty young and still in the prime of his career. So, The trio of Machado Soto and Tatis like that's going to be what another seven eight years and just the duo of Soto and Tatis like that could be another 10 to 15 years of just those two together so if you're a San Diego Padres fan like you got your trio of stars locked up for the future maybe Juan Soto's not locked up yet but I don't see why the Padres wouldn't like if you're the Padres or just any team right now in the open market and you see Juan Soto like what number are you comfortable giving Juan Soto do you think would you go the 14 years 500 million dollars Like what's your philosophy when it comes to contract and big money deals?
1: Yeah. And that's the thing you get three years before you even worry about, um, you know, the, the, the contract for Soto and, and, and extending him. Like if he, if he wants to leave and just doesn't like San Diego, he's still under control for three years. Like if this is not a rental by any means. So that's why I feel like the prospect thing is not a big deal because the odds are at least one of those top 10 guys aren't going to pan out. And if the rest of them do, that's great for Washington, but you also gave up one of your other big commodities in josh bell and took back eric cosmer that was just announced uh one second ago so the final oh, the ends up being, yeah the final hall ends up being Mackenzie gore uh robert hazley cj abrams james wood uh juran susan and then eric cosmer to the nationals that's it for soto and, and it's not just soto it's bell too because if you would have traded bell to the to the astros you would have gotten their what probably their fourth and fifth Uh, prospect without having to take on Hosmer's contract either. Like, I I don't know. It just seems a, a little bit light considering the hype that there was around this epic return for Soto.
0: Doesn't it always kind of feel like when you see these superstar trades, though, when you look at the Mookie Betts deal, you look at the Nolan Arenado deal, you could look at the Paul Goldschmidt deal, like, most of these deals, the Manny Machado deal, like, there's really, like, I, I I pound this point a lot on the pod, like, don't trade your franchise superstars if you don't have to. If the star is like, yeah, I'm leaving next offseason, you could either trade me now or I could walk away from nothing, then, yeah, at that point, if you're getting a guarantee, I'm not returning from your star then you trade them. But if it's just because you don't want to pay the dude, or you guys are just like, maybe just a little bit apart on contract negotiations. Like, I think you have to do whatever you can to keep superstar players in the building because you never get the return back you want. And if you, are trading for a bunch of prospects back, like you're hoping one of those guys hits into the player you just traded away. And most likely that's just not going to be the case. So just from the idea of trading prospects for superstars, I've never just been a, a big fan of trading away my superstar for prospects. I think in the end of the day, yeah, most of those deals are, aren't going to work out. Like you look at the Tigers, they had to start spending money this offseason because they blew up their team back in what, 2017, 2018. And they've really haven't been able to, um, you know they haven't been able to rebuild you know through the draft through free agency whatever they're now starting to spend money to try to rebuild that organization but the the Verlander deals and the Max Scherzer deals and the JD Martinez's deals like those guys didn't really net back any prospects that are helping that team right now So that's why I'm like yeah just give me superstar players I feel like if I was a GM I feel like I would just fleece teams all day because it doesn't take a lot to get a, a superstar player from another team when you've seen the recent deals that's happened in the last couple of years
1: yeah and and two it's different for every sport because in especially in baseball the nationals had a what top five top 10 player in the sport when juan soto whatever you want to market him as uh, however you want to rank him and they're terrible Mm -hmm. and and so it's obvious that if only one or two of these prospects that you get back pan out that's not going to help your win total all that much it's everything you do in the margins that's going to help you now in basketball one guy can carry you to the finals one guy if you get one just superstar out of your seven first round picks that you got back for trading away your top guy then it was all worth it and you have nine years to of control of that guy versus you know two years of control of, of your superstar but in baseball whenever it takes 26 you honestly with injuries and stuff, it takes like 30 guys to go in a world series and it takes the flukiness of it i mean you're talking to the host of lockdown royals who watched two fluky world series runs that ended in one ring uh, you know, so I know all about the flukes and luckily the world's benefited from them. Uh, but, you know, it, when it takes the fluke and it takes not, you know, and it takes where even if you have a top five guy in baseball, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to automatically be in the playoffs, much less the world series. Look at the angels who the, who has two of them uh, over there and they can't get to the playoffs to where you're, you're right. I, I just, I I don't see the the point in, in it in bait in baseball, especially in other sports. It makes more sense, but when you switch the mindset into baseball, it just, it doesn't really make that that much sense at all.
0: I think the biggest issue in baseball it's hard to like figure out the value of these superstar players and how much they should go for. There's no like there's no like standard in baseball where you can look at this trade I should then make uh, I should then get this back in return for this player based off this trade that happened over here because in basketball like you look at these superstar trades and it's like the the return makes sense. When you look at the AD trade, you got back all the players and all the prospects. Rudy Gobert trade. You got back all the picks and pretty much any superstar trade that's happened in basketball. You're getting back a young, a couple of young players and you're getting back a whole bunch of first round picks. There's like a framework to work with when you look at NBA superstar trades. In baseball, it just whatever the team feels like doing basically that day is going to be um, the trade. Some teams are very aggressive and they're getting back three of the top five prospects or something like that. And some teams are like just give us back one blue chipper and just give, give us back one guy we've seen on the major league level. Just give us back two guys we've seen on the major league level and neither one of them have to be blue chip prospects so i think trying to figure out the value of trades in baseball for superstar players it's just really tough because there's no like framework in baseball as opposed to like the nba or the nfl when we see um superstar trades go down and it's trade deadline day so we're going to see a whole bunch of other trades going on but if you want to place a bet of where you think the next trade is going to be, who you think is going to be moved next, you need to head to betonline.net because it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds. Lines and games, fun reviews, and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, Combat Sports, Esports, and even golf. Battle Line continues to be the top online resource for your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to line today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. line where the game starts. Now, Ryan, so far, there's been a lot of craziness from the trade deadline. And is there a move you like, a, a team that you think is a winner so far, or you could even take it another way? Is there a move you hate or a team that you're just like, what the hell are you doing right now?
1: Yeah, I, I find it interesting about the Brewers trading Hater. Okay. Uh, I know that Haters had kind of a, a, a struggle of late, and, and I think that there was a stat where like he's been bad in the last month. But still, the Brewers are a division leader right now, and they're firmly in the playoffs right now. And as I just mentioned, I'm a firm believer that baseball, even more so than any sport besides maybe hockey, you just have to get into the into the dance yeah. because you'll have a, a, a ball perfectly you'll know, wrap around the third baseline like Salvador Perez did in the wild card game. You'll have a Gold Glove shortstop boot a ball and spark a rally for you. You'll have just Lucas Duda not be able to throw to the to home plate. Like any little or could. Like you'll have those moments where a team that's not as good or a team that's not the best team win a World Series because they were just in the right place at the right time. To where if I have a chance to go to the playoffs, I'm gonna take that chance and I'm gonna take it with my with my best guys. And I think that Hater, uh, even though he struggled recently, is your best guy. So I find that interesting to sell. You know, and again, it, it's different in every sport. Like if you're the eight seed in basketball, you're not gonna win the you're not gonna win the NBA Finals. So if you trade one of your best guys. It's not that big of a deal, but in baseball, whenever it's so fluky and so random, I would have liked to see a division leader keep one of their best guys. Uh, But other than that, I do like the Yankees picking up an attendee a lot. I think that he really Mm -hmm. rounds out that lineup, especially now that Soto's off the market and going to the Padres. Uh, But but so far, this trade with San Diego has been my favorite because I just I think that that return is not backbreaking. That returns not going to end the Padres organization or hamper them for 20 years. It's going to get you three pennant chases at least with Soto. And if you, re-sign him, it gets, if you re-sign him, then there's no more debating if you won or lost, no matter how the prospects turn out, because they're not going to be top five players in baseball. They're just not. And that's what Juan Soto is. So, so I think that the San Diego trade is now the number one, and I have a hard time seeing anyone top it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Padres are definitely the winners of the deadline so far when you combine all their moves. But I feel like I actually have the zag on the Josh Hader deal because I feel like it all depends on how you value closers. I feel like closers have become kind of overrated in today's game. I feel like there's a lot of guys that throw 95 to 100 miles an hour They could put in the back end of your bullpen and be a pretty serviceable closer for you. So, I'm the Brewers, like, actually didn't hate the move from their perspective. When I first saw it, I was like, whoa, the Padres are getting Josh Hader, like, a- another phenomenal move, but when I actually saw the return, like, I didn't hate it for the Brewers. Like, Taylor Rogers, I feel like, is, like, the poor man's, the middle man's Josh Hader in terms of his strikeout rate. We got to Nelson who has struggled with injuries the last couple of years, but back in 2020 or whatever it was, he was, like, a sty Young Candidate who flashed a lot for the Padres. He got back like a number seven prospect in the organization, like a number 25 prospect. Like, if you don't think you're gonna re-sign Josh Hader, like I didn't think it was a terrible, a terrible return for him. And if you don't think closers in general are as valuable as they might have been back in the day, like I don't hate the move. I feel like there's a lot of relievers that you could pick up and put in the back end of your bullpen to be a closer. And just looking at like Josh Hader's numbers, like of course he's like basically the best strikeout artist of maybe ever, but In terms of run prevention, two of the last three years, he's been good, but he hasn't been elite at it. So maybe, maybe he's not, uh, maybe the, the strikeout number's uh, inflate a little bit of our perception of Josh Hader. I don't know. We'll see what he does with San Diego Padres. Is If he gets back to what he was doing the first month and a half of the season where he literally had like a 0.0 ERA, then uh, he could just shut me up right away. But he did just come off a pretty bad month, so it is pretty interesting. But the Yankees are also loading up, like you said, the Ben Tendi deal. The Frankie Montez deal was really nice. I think the team that I hate the most so far from this trade deadline, I've talked about it a bunch on this podcast, just the Boston Red Sox. I just hate everything they're doing. I just hate the whole vibe and and, and energy around the organization right now. You trade Mookie Betts away. That pretty much started it all when we brought the new GM in front of office in and you're like, we're just going to change our whole philosophy. I know we have a core right now of great talent and a team that could win a championship, but no, we're going to trade Mookie Betts and then guess what? A couple of years from now, we're going to be two games away from the World Series and instead of trying to improve our team, we're going to tell our best players, yeah, we might not re-sign you, Rafael Devers and Daniel De Bogarts. And then as we get closer to the trade deadline, we're just going to start selling off our best players. Vasquez, who's a the longest tenured player goodbye Vasquez JD Martinez he's available he's on the block like from the Red Sox like you had this core of great players starting with Mookie Betts and if you just kept that core and kept adding to it you could have had a consistent championship contender and be at least in the championship series probably for the next five years and even just going back to this past offseason if you just picked up a starting pitcher or two that was of value or maybe a couple relievers and just grounded out some of the edges to your team like you were two games away from the world series last year and now you're like let's just blow it up and start all start all over and start the rebuilding process like i don't understand why they have to rebuild when they have such great players on their team already
1: yeah and that sentiment is shared by everyone i've seen that that covers or likes or is a fan of the red sox so i think that you're spot on there
0: yeah, it's been an interesting trade deadline so far. And I think the baseball trade deadline, no, I think it's pretty good. How would you compare it to the NBA trade trade deadline? Because I know you do the Lock on Thunder podcast as well. So which one for you is more exciting or appealing? Because I feel like baseball trade deadline might actually have the NBA trade deadline.
1: Yeah, this is the area where I think that baseball's trade deadline and baseball in general wins over every other sport. I think that, I mean, I, I can't touch on hockey. I don't know much about hockey at all, but... In terms of football, basketball, baseball, this is the area that baseball thrives because I think that every year we see a guy, not of the caliber of Juan Soto, because he's top ten, but every year we see a guy that casual fans know and that casual fans will like and that will like get them excited that he's got traded. In in basketball, it's we do see sometimes you know James Harden get traded for Ben Simmons or whatever. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, you know, you're trading a back-end starter for a back end starter, you're trading a sixth or seventh man for for a bench player, or a future pick or whatever, you know, but in baseball, it feels like there's at least one big splash every year that the casual baseball observer can rally behind and then kind of get reinvested into the sport for the last couple of months before the world series and, and the playoffs. So I would give it to baseball. I think it's just a more exciting trade line and, and more happens uh, and it happens, you know, just more frequently that big moves happen in basketball and football. There's outliers of course, but it doesn't feel like they have that big move to really punch you in the mouth every year. The way baseball does.
0: Yeah, it's probably just a little bit easier to make trades in baseball because you got all these prospects you could pick from. They could just throw mm-hmm. into deals. Basketball, they just care about their picks so much. It's just a little you bit. You don't hard have to, to match
1: salaries in. either.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a huge one. Yeah, not matching salaries because that basically holds up most of those deals in basketball. So, yeah, I would say the baseball trade deadline is a little bit more exciting. I think a couple of seasons ago, the big prize from the NBA trade deadline was like Andre Drummond or something like that. So I would definitely say the baseball deadline is more interesting. Ryan Styles of Lockdown Royals breaking it down for us on the trade deadline. Emmanuel Rivera coming back to the D-backs and all that fun stuff. Where can the Lockdown Dimebacks listeners find you on social media and everywhere else?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles and also follow the show on Twitter anywhere you get your podcasts or YouTube or anywhere else on Lockdown Royals. So check it out over there as well.
0: Yep. And for yep, and for lockdown royals at Creator Times24 for my personal account or look up Lockdown Dyingbacks on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all your podcasting platforms. Ryan, sir, thank you for hopping on today. And I guess I'll catch you next time. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen today. Now, make your second listen Lockdown MLB podcast with our pal Sully Baseball. He's, of course, a walking baseball encyclopedia. So, check him out. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.